if you've got life experience behind you and you're willing to have a go, don't undersell yourself. Unemployment can be difficult for a number of reasons, and that's something our guest today knows a lot about. John was unemployed at the age of 50, and today we hear from John about his varied experiences with trying to find work. He's done a number of uh, jobs over the years, and he has a very fascinating story. I'm sure you're going to be encouraged as you listen to today's episode of the Figuring Life Out Together podcast. Well, John, really glad to have you here on the podcast with me. Tell me, you were a principal for quite a number of years, but at the age of 50, uh, you lost that job and you went on the dole. Tell me what that was like for you. Well, unemployment benefits, Tom, but yeah, look, it's great to be here. It's embarrassing enough to be on the dole, but uh, it, it sounds better if you refer to it as unemployment All right. benefits. <laughs> unemployment benefits, yes. Um, yes, I was. I was unemployed for three months, and uh, it's a scary feeling uh, because I'd never been unemployed since leaving school. Mm. And all of a sudden I found myself without work and without a job and 50 years of age, and what am I going to do now? Wow. So... Um, so not a, not a great feeling, a bit of worry, a bit of... Uh, yeah, it was... Anything else? It was that feeling of insecurity mm. and wondering, um, what can I do? Because let me just explain, I was a principal mm. of a Christian school down in Victoria, in, in country Victoria, a school that had grown extremely quickly. Mm. And after my first year there as a primary teacher, the board there asked me to take on the role of principal. And I was in my 30s and I said, uh, I'm not real sure about this. Mm. Uh, so they made me acting principal for one year and then uh, I prayed a lot about this but felt that God wanted me to take on the role of principal. And we're talking a small school of, at that time of about 70 students. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said to God, well, I think between you and me, we've got to make this work. And, uh, and God did. Uh, over the next 12 years, the school grew to 700 mm. in 12 years, which was quite amazing. Uh, went from primary to secondary to preschool, mm. from one and a half acres on one campus to four campuses, and uh, close to 100 acres. Um, wow. Yeah, so it was just amazing how the whole thing happened. And it was a great journey, mm. but uh, at the end of it all, I was pretty burnt out and washed out. Mm. Uh, so I resigned as a, as a tired, worn out principal mm. who really wanted a break from teaching. I just felt that I needed a break from kids and teaching mm-hmm. and staff and so on. Yep. Uh, and here I was, unemployed at 50, thinking, what am I going to do about Apart from teaching, I mean, what else mm. could I do? So it was your choice to resign from, from that job? Yes. Just yeah. couldn't carry on? No, I was, I was mm. absolutely worn out. But and you didn't, uh, I imagine, during that time as principal, have any time to look at other options um, for when you did resign? No. It was just, uh, I have to finish? Absolutely. And uh, I guess it was, it was a welcome break because uh, even though I was unemployed, I could have a break, I could have mm. a rest. And uh, I guess during that three months, 
I was refreshed, mm-hmm. but still thinking, what am I going to do? Mm. Um, so the first thing I did was I went to the local job provider and said, here I am. Uh, what have you got? Expecting him to have a list of jobs for a 50-year-old unemployed ex-principal. Mm. And he said things like, um, you're actually overqualified. I said, forget my qualifications. He said, you've got heaps of experience, but, but in the role of a, of a school principal, and we don't have many jobs for school pri- I said, I don't want to be a school principal. I'll do whatever. <laughs> yep. He didn't seem to understand that, and I was a bit disappointed at the way he approached it. He only offered me one job over the three-month period, and that was as an executive officer of an Aboriginal cooperative uh, about two hours further east in in Victoria. Mm. I felt that that would be a stressful job, having worked with Aboriginal cooperatives in the past, and uh, I thought, I really don't want to go from one stressful job into another. So I declined that, and it was almost as if by declining it, uh, he said, oh, well, there's nothing much else for you. Okay. And so here I was thinking, well, that's great. What do I do now? So I thought the next step would be to look in the local paper and see if there's any local jobs around that Mm. I might be able to take on. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed over the three-month period, there was a particular ad that kept appearing, and it was at the uh, Department of Natural Resources, which happened to be just down the end of our street, and uh, it was obvious they couldn't fill this role. Mm. The trouble was they were looking for a scientist who knew something about salinity and nutrient reduction Mm. and management of natural resources in the region, and I was none of those things, but I could see they couldn't fill the job. Yeah. So I thought, I'll give them a call. Mm. So uh, the contact was a Joe Caminiti, and I thought, oh, right, this will be some tough Joe Caminiti, you know. So I phoned up, could I speak to Joe Caminiti, please? And a lady came on the line, it was Joanne Caminiti. So my first shock was, oh, right, hello, Joanne. So I had to change all my thinking of being a little bit... Uh, mm masculine to yep. yeah, a little bit more gentle on the phone. And um, I said to Joe, I said, look, explain the background. I said, I've noticed you haven't been able to fill this job. No, no, are you a scientist? I said, no, I'm an ex-principal. Well, we're really looking for a scientist. I said, yes, but you haven't been able to fill this job in three months. I said, I've got skills that might come in handy well, what skills? I said, I built a skill from 70 to 700. I ran building programs. I managed a staff of about 100. And, oh, 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 we'll have a talk to you, she hmm. said. Then she said, leave it with me. I'll get back to you. And within a couple of days, she re-phoned and said, yes, we'd like to interview you. So I went to an interview and they did the usual questions. Uh, and I was waiting for this one. Now, what are your strengths? So I told them. I was interviewed by about three or four people Mm -hmm. who were all scientists. (laughs) And uh, what are your weaknesses? So I thought I'll cut straight to the chase. I said, well, I know nothing about salinity. I know nothing about nutrient management. And uh, I'm not a scientist. But here I am. (laughs) I basically (laughs) said that. And they had a bit of a chuckle and they went, right, okay. 
I said, but you haven't been able to fill this job. I said, I'm here to fill it. That must have somehow impressed them because uh, within a couple of days I had the job. I got mm. a phone call, you've got the job. Yeah, there's power in surprise, <laughs> the element of surprise. Well, the unexpected. Yeah, and um, look, at rem what it reminded me of was the great St. Paul, the, the, who's mentioned in the Bible. He wrote to a group in Corinth who were struggling a little bit about where to go and what to do and so on. And he said to them in, in his first letter to them, he said, um, you need to run the race. Don't give up halfway. If you don't complete the race, you don't get the prize. And that echoed with me at the time and I thought, yeah, even though you, you're without work at 50, don't give up. Have a go, have mm. a crack. Um, mm. And I guess that was a principle that I had churning with me at the time, thinking, you can't give up on life, you know. This race that St Paul's talking about is the race of life. Mm. And uh, you don't give up on life, you keep going. So um, anyway, I had this job, let me tell the, the rest yeah. of the story here. So Joe then says, congratulations, however, you're starting on Monday, but I've taken a week's leave on the, you know, for the next yeah, week. Yeah, right. So she said, I've told everybody to leave you alone. I've left a whole lot of reading material for you. Just relax. I'll be back the following week. Mm -hmm. So I turn up at work, having no idea what I'm here for and what I'm meant to be doing. She's not there. She can't guide me. She's left piles of reading stuff, which was a bit scientific, and I yeah. didn't really understand much of it. But I, I, I got through that week until she came back, and, and the first question I asked her was, who am I? What am I meant to be doing? And so on. And uh, she was very good. She yeah. said, come into the boardroom, got a big whiteboard and she went right through everything and so on. And with a very steep learning curve, I did that job for um, four years, the next four years, and then moved into more a community development role mm. in an organisation that was called a catchment management authority. So they looked after water catchments. Mm -hmm. And um, so for the first four years, I managed a one and a half million dollar project yep. uh, as a so-called scientist, uh, but I had scientists all around me and uh, I chewed their ear often. But um, I managed the project and I think I did reasonably well in it. So what it taught me was, if you've got life experience behind you and you're willing to have a go, don't undersell yourself. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, yeah, and I think by saying to them, "I'm here to fulfil this job that you can't fill," mm. uh, I think they thought, "Well, he's willing to have a crack. Why don't we let mm. him have a go?" And your perspective yeah, yeah. was, you were there to fill a need. It yeah. wasn't so much about, well, you had the need of needing a job, but you're also looking at their perspective. This is absolutely. This is the need they need, and yeah. I believe I can help you. And I learned a lot. Mm. I now know a lot about Salindi. I could talk to you for hours on Salindi. Yep. I could talk to you for hours on nutrient reduction and how it helped the Gippsland mm. lakes and so on. That's right. Uh, you can always learn something new. You do. Yeah. And by taking on a new challenge, mm. um, that's great. Yeah. That's pretty inspiring. But that, that role came to an end? 
Yes, after uh, eight years, because yep. uh, I'd moved into a community development role, mm. uh, the community development role ended, or they made it redundant after another four years, so eight years in the role. So at the ripe old age of 59 and a half, yep. I was unemployed again. Right, time to retire? No, no. too early to retire. Yeah. Too early to retire and uh, thinking, well, here we, are, here we go again. What do mm. I do now? But I had a bit more confidence because I'd had a crack yes. at this and yep. it worked out okay. So I thought, what do we do now? It just happened. This was October. In November, the local government elections were coming up. Okay. And I thought, I've done it once. Why don't I try again? Why don't I put my hand up for the local government elections? So I went and spoke to a couple of the local councillors and I said, uh, what do you reckon? And I said, oh, no, you'd be good. You'd be a good fit, John. I said, I know nothing about it. They said, that's all right. You'll learn. You'll learn. And I thought, well, I've learnt once. I can probably learn again. So I spent a month, about six weeks, uh, developing my uh, profile mm -hmm. as a potential councillor prepared pamphlets and posters, went round all the shopkeepers, put posters up in the window of all the local towns, spoke to each of the shop owners, said, I'm your person, I'm your man. <laughs> and um, even got the local postie who delivered up in the country region, up in mm -hmm. the hills. Um, I said, can you deliver some pamphlets for me? Oh, we're not allowed to. He said, but wink, wink, nod, nod. He said, give them to me. He said, nobody will know. So he was very right. good. Delivered all my pamphlets yep. up in the hill country. And then election day came and uh, I had a, a scrutineer who was there watching the votes and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, nervously he rang me two or three times throughout the day. And surprisingly he said, you're just ahead. There were two positions in the ward I was going for. Mm -hmm. One of them, there was no way I could knock the other guy out. He'd been there forever and he was a fixture. Mm -hmm. But the second fellow, I reckon I had a chance of beating him. Mm. And, uh, Was that unexpected? Very unexpected, yeah. because he'd been there for a number of years too. Mm. And I thought, I've got to beat one of these guys that's been a councillor for quite some time. The scrutiny kept ringing me saying, you're just slightly ahead, I believe you're just slightly ahead. I said, by how much? He said, not much, not much. <laughs> so at four o'clock in the afternoon, I got a call. You've been elected. I've been elected! <laughs> Now what? <laughs> you beauty. Wow. Again, no idea what I meant to do yeah. and all the rest of it. It's a steep learning curve. But I enjoyed the next three and a half years of mm. being a counsellor. Uh, it was fantastic because I was serving the community, which mm -hmm. I loved doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and people would come and grizzle to me. And I'd say, don't grizzle. Come and talk to me. If you've got a problem, come and talk to me. I'm your local counsellor. I'll see if I can fix it for mm. you. Uh, so in all of that, I think I helped a number of community groups. Mm. Um, I, I remember uh, the, uh, the chap in charge, the chairman of the local cemetery trust came to me. I used to bowl with him in lawn bowls and mm -hmm. he came and he said, he used to come to me every week, John, John. I said, what's the problem now? He said, no, no, he said, look, the road up to the cemetery is, is unmade, gravel. It's mm. been like it for the last 40 years or well, forever. Yep. And the car park up there is unmade and it's not good. And he said, 
I've asked the council ever since I've been on the committee for the last 20, 30 years for a mate, you know, to get the road mate. And he said, I get nowhere. I said, leave it with me. I got on board with the, the, the roads manager and I said, look, we really need to do this. I got them uh, to meet out there. So I got all the land owners that were on that road to meet. We got together out on the road and I said, council will, will be willing to do this so long as you chip in a share of the cost. And we mm. worked out what the cost was. I said, if you want a made road, you've got to be prepared to put in something. They all agreed, yeah. which was fantastic. All agreed. We got all that, uh, a document sent out to them. They signed the document. The road was sealed, the car park was sealed. They were amazed. They said, we've been waiting for this for 30, 40 years. And uh, yeah. so little things like that, you yeah. feel, I've been able yeah. to help the community in some way. And uh, what, is, what was it like being a councillor? How did it compare to being a principal? Good, bad and indifferent, Tom, <laughs> because you grab the local paper each week yeah. and you right. should. You'd, you'd look for letters to the editor and so on and there'd always be, there'd always be your critics. Mm. Oh, Councillor Doherty never does, whatever, you know. Yeah. But you could also see the good things too. Mm. You know, Councillor Durant managed to get this done or that done or whatever. I guess it's in, like in life, you have to try to focus on the positive and not the negative. Mm. And um, it can be a little bit disheartening when you think you're going okay and there might be a headline in the paper, Councillor Durant didn't support whatever it might be. Yes. But of course, that's not the whole story. <laughs> That's what the paper grabs as, a, as mm. a headline, and you think, oh, I wish that report had spoken to me before they printed that. Um, but overall, it was good, because you know you're, you're doing it not for yourself, mm -hmm. you're doing it for the community. Mm. Yeah. And you didn't find it stressful? It was a little stressful, but it was stressful in a good way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just did it for the one term. I didn't uh, continue on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there were reasons for that. My then wife at the time was unwell, and mm. so I ended up caring for her being a carer. Uh, so I retired a little bit early, probably mm -hmm. at about 63, 64. Uh, but, Tom, we never retire in life. No. See? And that was the message that yeah. um, good old St Paul had for me. You never retire in life. Mm. You might retire from a career, mm. but you never retire in life. You keep going. And I guess when people say, um, the best is behind me, my response would be, but you don't know that. Mm. Your best might have been, or, or some good stuff might have been already part mm. of your life, but hey, there can be still good stuff right mm. up until uh, we meet our maker. So um, If you look back on your life, and you, you maybe break it up between life before 40 and life after 40, do you think... You know, you would have imagined in your younger years you would have gone on to do what you did? Never, ever have imagined that. When I started off as a young teacher, all I could see was being a primary teacher and nothing else. Mm. Never, ever thought I'd be a principal. I had a break from teaching uh, early on in my career and I worked for the oil and gas industry, yep. onshore and offshore, okay. uh, in Bass Strait, uh, south of Victoria. And that was good, but it wasn't where God wanted me to be, and I, I really felt that, and uh, I believe God led me back into teaching 
and into the, the, mm. the Christian school that I mentioned before. That's an interesting story that happened on that, that little stint there, though. Yeah, uh, oh, would you very like interesting to story. Briefly share a little bit well, why you think that was significant in your life. Um, I was a Christian at the time, and but I was struggling. I really didn't feel that I was in the right place where God wanted me to be. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know quite what that would be. Would I go back to teaching or would I pursue another area of work and so on? And uh, I was on night shift uh, one night because I was in a control room controlling the oil and gas offshore. Mm And what we tried to do on night shift time was we tried to set all the alarms offshore because we monitored all the alarms, all the serious alarms, Mm -hmm. fire alarms, gas alarms and so on. We'd set them in a certain way that if there was a problem it would ring, it'd alert you and so on. But we'd say to everybody offshore, now listen, let's have a quiet night. Let's not do anything silly. Let's just have the gas humming along, the oil bubbling along. Let's all of us just sit back quietly, let the the, the gas wells do whatever they do, the oil... Let's just relax. So most night shifts, you'd have a quiet night. Mm. You just have to record figures and data and so on. But apart from that, quiet night. So we, we would say we would quietly doze. Now, you'd never say that to the boss, but what you meant was you wouldn't be asleep, but you'd just be quietly yeah. lying back, feet up on the desk, relaxing, yeah. hoping that nothing had happened. Mm. Not all nights were like that. This night seemed to be going well until about three o'clock in the morning and the phone rang. And I thought, who the heck would ring me at three o'clock in the morning? So reluctantly you pick up the phone, hello? And it was this Dutchman who worked offshore. Hello, John, how are you? Yeah, I'm good case, but um, what do you want? Oh, I just wanted to have a chat. Why do we have to have a chat at three o'clock in the morning? Yes, Coase, what do you want to chat about? I just wanted to see how you're going in your life. What? Yeah, well, I'm struggling a bit. I thought you were. I thought I needed to ring you to encourage you. Right. How would you have known that I was struggling in life a little bit and so on? Yeah. And so he pointed me towards... um, some Bible study and some books that encouraged me in my Christian life. Mm. And that really helped me then to focus more on uh, mm. where I should be and in, in essence led me to mm. applying for this Christian school, which mm. is another story in itself. Mm. Yeah. And so you've done a number of things in your life. Yeah. Would you say they're all part of God's plan? How would you view that? Good question. At times we think probably not, mm-hmm. but as you look back on your life, you think, yeah, I think it's all part of God's plan because he taught me much when I worked in the oil and gas industry, even though at the time I may not have seen it. Certainly in teaching, I learned a lot. Um, certainly at the Christian school, boy, was that an experience. That was mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, so you look all the way through and you think, yeah, I think um, all of it was part of a plan, a big, pl- a bigger plan, mm. and it was good. So what are you doing with yourself now in retirement from paid work? Well, retired from paid work, but never retired, Tom. But mm. uh, I'm doing voluntary work at Catalyst, um, uh, and this is... Um, Voluntary, voluntary work, so uh, nothing formal, or some of it's a little bit formal, 
I've said to the staff at Catalyst, I'm here if you need me, and so on. And uh, already uh, people have come up and said, can you help us with a grant application? Mm -hmm. Yes, I can. Can you help us with planning out a mm. whatever it might be? Yeah, I can do that. Mm. So, Sounds like you've got a lot of initiative. Do you think um, that's something you need? Uh, if you're looking you know, at your life and what's ahead, whatever stage you're in, do you think initiative's needed? You can't just sit back and wait for things to come yeah, to you? Yeah, because uh, life doesn't just hand you things on a platter. Mm. You've got to be prepared to um, step out of your comfort zone and, and have a crack. Um, I mean, I moved here from Victoria just um, eight or nine months ago because mm. my son's up here in Queensland. And when you first arrive, you know nobody, you know nothing about any organisations that are up here and so on. So the first thing I did, being a lawn bowler, I'll have to get you into lawn bowls, Tom, you'd love it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hunted around for a bowling club because I thought, what a great way to meet people. Mm. Join a club, in my case a bowling club, which I did, I joined the one up in Queen's Park, beautiful mm. spot up there. Uh, I just wandered up there one day and uh, introduced myself and said, I'd like to join the... Yeah, welcome. I've made some great friends up there, mm. really good friends. Yep. And uh, so that's been good. Mm. Um, wanted to join a local church. My sister who lives over at Bellbird Park, my younger sister, she gave me a list of churches because I said to her, what church? She said, I'm not going to tell you. This is up between you and God. You work it out. <laughs> Oh, okay. So she gave me a list of churches. Catalyst was second on the list. And uh, I eventually got to come to Catalyst and because uh, I, I was praying, God, show me where I ought to be. Um, people say, what denomination are you? And I say, well, I'm not. I'm just a Christian. I said, what do you mean? You've got to be a denomination. I said, no, I'm wherever God wants me to be. So I've been part of a home church, a church book in a home. I've been part of, a, I've been a Baptist, I've been a Presbyterian, I've been in a Nottingham church, I've been an Anglican, I've been a Pentecostal. It doesn't worry me where I am. If he said, I want you to be with the whoever, I'd be there. But he wants me a catalyst. So I'm excited, Tom, as to what the future holds. All right, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's always good. So you've always got something that you're optimistic about the future now. Yeah. Do you think you're always like that? Were you always, you know, so confident or no. not sure? No, no, not always confident. Um, confidence is something that I think you gain as life goes on. Mm. Um, when I first became a principal, I would say I wasn't a public speaker. I wasn't somebody who, who liked standing up in front of an audience no. and speaking. No, I, I wasn't comfortable at all. Mm. I had to learn that because mm. we had parent meetings where I had to get up and mm. speak. Um, I suddenly found myself in church situations where I was confronted with, John, would you give the children's talk on Sunday? I think, I'm a teacher, then you can do that. Well, here I am with 150 people in front of me, not comfortable. No. Uh -huh. But you do it. Mm. And I think as you slowly do things like that, step out of your comfort zone, mm. you gain confidence. Mm. So was I confident early on? No. Am I confident now? I'm more confident now. 
am I a confident person? No. But I'm willing to step out of the boat under yeah. the water, have a crack. You know? yeah. yeah, that's really good. There's often people think, oh, that's not me. I, I'm not this or I can't do that. But your perspective is step out, give it a go mm. and you'll, you'll learn. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So pretty encouraging stuff. And maybe lastly, for somebody who feels they're in a bit of a wilderness season themselves, not sure what's ahead, maybe wondering is the best behind me, what would you say to them? I'd say, what's your best? I reckon your best may well be in front of you. It depends how you look at life. Mm. Uh, if you look at a glass half full rather than half empty, the old saying, and it's true, you know, is my glass half full or half empty? It should always be half full. Mm. And top it up. Don't let it get empty. Fantastic. How do you top it up? You top it up through life's experiences and, for me, through God. Fantastic. Oh, thanks, John. Excellent. Pleasure. Yeah. Well, what a story. Thank you, John. I hope you were encouraged because that's one of our main goals with these podcasts, to encourage you through the sharing of people's stories. And I'd love to hear from you in the comments if you've got something in particular that uh, stood out to you in John's story today. Now, if you'd like to reach out, uh, you can do that via our website, haventogether.com. Always good to hear from you. Otherwise, until next time, I'm Tom and this is the Figuring Life Out Together podcast.